So, this might actually be the first Dumpster Fire episode of Dumpster Fire Cinema. Oh my god. (laughs) Yes. Fuck yeah. Let's get this Dumpster Fire started. Guess who's back? Back Back again. again. Aaron and Jordan are back. (laughs) (laughs) We fucked that right up. (laughs) No, no. Uh, Hi, welcome to Dumpster Fire Cinema. My name is Aaron. And I'm Jordan. What up? We're going to review a movie that you, uh, if you haven't seen it, go fucking see it. It's Ravenous. Ravenous. With Guy Pearce. Yeah. And Robert Carlyle. And... Yes. A bunch of other people. Sorry, I got thinking about Robert Carlyle for a second, and I just got distracted. Is, does he do it for you, Robert Carlyle? <laughs> in a in a in a strange, skinny, <laughs> Scottish man way. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he's the most Scottish looking guy I've ever he seen. He totally is. He totally is. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's like the starved Jesus look. <laughs> that is that is. His I don't look. know. Yeah. It's. But he doesn't look like that the whole time. It's just at the beginning of the movie when we see him, um, you know, scare everyone to death. Um, but yeah, we're talking about Ravenous, uh, directed by Antonia Bird, which I'm, again, the worst podcaster ever because I have not seen any of her other movies, which she's done a lot. She's She's been around for a long time, but I just I haven't seen anything else she's done. What are some of her other films? Um. She did one with Robert Car- Carlyle, excuse me, with Robert Carlyle called Face, but I didn't see that one either. Looks like she did Priest, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, Mad Love. Oh, I I haven't seen those. That's I, what I'm talking about. The worst podcaster ever. I don't even know what the other, I haven't seen anything else the other director has, or this director has done. Now, there's been a couple of movies named Priest, so I don't know if this is the same one. I don't think it is. I no. think you're thinking of the one with- um, The action movie. Yeah. Vampire thing. Ugh. No, this is not that movie. Okay, good. No. And it had Robert Carlyle in it, too. Yeah, she's she's done work with him a lot, so they're besties. Um, I, it's so funny how I come upon these movies because this movie came out in 1999. I was 10. I was 10 when this movie came out. It's almost 20 years old and I didn't see it until I was an adult. And when I saw it, I was just, I was like, wow, this is amazing in a really creepy, campy kind of way. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is definitely not. A serious movie no it's, it's a dark not. comedy but it but as far as dark comedies go it's really subtle well it starts the movie off with two quotes and one is kind of you know the monster in the man i can't think of what it is the second quote that comes up is eat, eat me, me. Right. yeah so this as soon as you see that you're like oh you know what you're getting I, into yeah like you can't you can't go into this thinking oh this is a serious and for those of you who have never seen the movie and this might spark your interest it might not it's about cannibalism. It's about eating other people, which I have to say, it's a strange fascination that I have because cannibalism scares the living shit out of me. The thought of somebody eating my body scares me to death. But I love the Hannibal Lecter movies. I love Hannibal the TV show. I absolutely, oh, uh, if you haven't watched it, go watch it right now. You can pause our podcast, go watch Hannibal, because you will not be sorry. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian Fuller. Y- oh, oh, man. So good. Jillian Anderson, the yeah. hottest she's ever been. She ages in reverse. Yeah. And, okay, so just, if you don't watch it for any other reason, watch it because of Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, yeah. Because, holy crap, he is a great Hannibal. Yeah. He's, he's, he's so He's the best good. Hannibal. Yeah. I, I know it's a bold statement. That but is a Mads Mickelson is a better Hannibal than Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, well, yeah. you yeah. I think the fascination with with the cannibalism goes back to my whole thing with vampirism because they're kind of the same. Sure. Especially in this movie because there's a there's a really big theme about how eating other people will give you super strength and healing powers and like you are just this better person because you ate somebody else and it's just I don't know what it is. It 
the thought of being eaten scares me, but watching movies and shows about it does not. Well, I don't. I don't know. There's a romantic element to it, maybe. Really? Ooh. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's well, very. Well, it got a little romantic at the end there, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> yeah. We'll get well, to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, I think it's set in like the 1800s, and it's supposed to be like in the Rocky Mountains, just kind of the middle of nowhere. And that's kind of how this story kind of starts out is it's very bleak. It's very, um, it's just, it it sets up the stage for how isolated everyone is. It starts it out with him being told that he has to go to this middle of nowhere fort, Fort Spencer, because he's pretty much an embarrassment to the army and so they're like we just want to get you out of the way so he goes to fort spencer and again it just sets up for this isolated world that these characters are in there's no one around there's no civilization they are just in the middle of the fucking mountains um which was all filmed in prague which i guess would make sense if you're wanting a lot of mountainous area you're gonna need somewhere with lots of mountains which i guess would be prague i don't know i've never been there um, the other thing that I noticed about this movie is that it's, it's very visceral. It's just dirty and scruffy. Everyone's got beards and dirty hair and there's dirt everywhere. And it's just, it's just something, again, it just sets the stage for the time period that they're in. Like nobody looks like a supermodel. Everyone's got like gross teeth and. Well, there is that one guy. What one guy? With the blonde hair. Oh, spray tan. Boy band. Boy band. Yeah. <laughs> General Wright. Yep. Yeah, yep. he's good. Seems so out of place in that movie to me. He really is. And that that actor um, played by Neil McDonough, they call him the soldier because he's this muscly, super bleach blonde haired, um, just kind of an asshole. He's real pumped up. Like he's, he's, he's roid raging through the whole movie. Yeah, pretty much. Like he's just, you know. He's perfect for that role, though. He's Be- great. Yeah. And he's done other stuff. He was in Captain America. He was the guy with the handlebar mustache. He's done so much crap. Like, yeah, I know. I've seen him in a bunch of things. If you look at his IMDb page, it is forever long. And he's done a bunch of, like, cameos and guest spots. And I, I can't see anything, well, other than Captain America that he's been in that I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally remember. Like, you just see him pop up in places. And you're like, hey, it's that guy. With the face. You know, there's a couple of actors like that in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, Jeffrey Jones. He's in everything. So, but he he did a lot of stuff, too. He was in Beetlejuice. He was in in this movie. Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. Just, he's, again, he just has these fun little character roles. He's one of those guys, you know, there's a lot of actors out there that do uh, bit parts that you see a lot. And he's one of the ones that really stuck out with me among all those guys. You know, for, for the longest time until he finally really got his break. Paul Giamatti, he he was kind of a bit part actor that, he got, was. that got up jumped. He's got, he's just got that face that can kind of fit anywhere in really any time period. Yeah. It's such a fun movie. It's, it's something that you don't really expect. And it, it kind of starts off slow because he's getting to Fort Spencer. And obviously this is a very like rundown kind of piece of shit fort that nobody comes through nobody checks on nobody has a specific job everyone's just kind of hanging out and then if you're david arquette and joseph running fox you're smoking a lot of um loco weed all the time and giggling about whatever um so it's a diamond in the rough as i like to call it because when i show this movie to people which i do on a regular basis uh, i will start off the conversation go have you seen Ravenous? And they're like, what the hell is that? Well, you are in for a treat because we're going to watch it and you're going to love it because it is just, it's just one of those movies that you don't really expect. It wasn't like a high budget movie and it wasn't, I don't know if it got like a lot of popular review or anything like that. Cause again, I was 10 years old and didn't care about that stuff. Um, the acting and the cinematography in this movie are fantastic. They're really great. It's incredibly well done. Like she got some really great shots. Yes. And just the the landscape and the scenery, all just really great. But the acting itself, I mean, it's hard to tell when you go into a project to know, oh, this is going to be huge or no, this is not going to go anywhere. So you just put your all in it anyway and you come out with some some really great stuff. 
Um, we were also talking about this last night about how this is probably Guy Pierce's most low key acting performance. He doesn't speak until 25 minutes into the film and he's in every scene in the film. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's so, he's very quiet. He's very just, he's, he, well, he's a coward is really yeah, what he's it is. A coward, sure. He's a coward until the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> because he just, he runes around doing like weird pirouetting fainting spells and <laughs> oh the fainting part okay so robert carlisle shows up at the camp this is more this is about halfway through the movie robert carlisle shows back up at the camp after this intense scene where he basically kills everybody in the camp uh back up comes you know uh, infantry from somewhere else shows up mm-hmm. and robert carlisle's character is a general and he just kind of shows up in the same room uh, with Guy Pierce's character, uh, Captain Boyd. And Captain Boyd just kind of falls over. He yeah. just falls over. Like somebody pushed a button and he went. Yeah. Yeah. He just very short circuited. Yeah. <laughs> and I could not. I, I laughed. I don't see any other reaction being possible. I don't either. I think I might have done the same thing, though, because. Okay, so to back up a little bit, they're at Fort Spencer and everyone's kind of sitting in this main sitting area and they're all like smoking pipes and drinking whiskey like you do in the Mm -hmm. 1800s. And Captain Boyd looks out the window and he sees Ives or I can't think of the name that he gave at the time because it was fake. I mean, um, so he sees a man outside the window and they're like, holy shit, what is that? They go outside, they find this guy and he tells them this story about how he and his um, he and his camp were traveling across the country and they got stranded because of the snowstorm and they ended up in this cave. And because they had no food, they basically were like killing and eating each other. And so he finally he manages to get back to Fort Spencer and they're he's like, I think there's somebody left alive, uh, like the woman of the party or whoever she was. Um she's still alive and so everyone in the camp at fort spencer feels compelled to go to the cave and save whoever is left well it turns out to be a trap because robert carlisle is actually colonel ives who is this mad hungry cannibalistic psycho and he's wendigo he's a wendigo yeah which which they have absolutely just completely appropriated the wendigo legend for this it's they did he's not a classical wendigo they, no. They just kind of made this thing up. He's he's a vampire. Pretty, they just called him Wendigo. Pretty much. And George tried to tell them. He I, he came in with his little illustration and he was like, "Yeah, this guy's a Wendigo. We should not go." And they're like, "Oh, George, you <laughs> you funny Native American you." Right. Like, poor George. Poor George. And he was the token Native American yeah. that got killed. Of course. Captain Boyd ends up being the last one alive and he faces off with Robert Carlyle's character and he jumps off a cliff because he's a fucking pansy and he ends up getting caught in this hole with um, now dead General Reich who's starting the dead boy band because he looks so pretty dead yeah and he looks so happy dead I know like he's got this huge smile on his face and his eyes his are wide open. his beautiful blue eyes wide open so- his blonde hair completely no blood on it not on his hair no on his face though yeah on his even face. though he, he hung upside like down shit. but he was smiling he, he was. was dead and smiling he looked like he was happy it's like i was saying it he looked like he was about to burst into song <laughs> which would have been awesome yeah they should have done that it would have it would have um wouldn't you though if you had been laying in that hole wouldn't you've just reached over and like closed his eyes because if i was laying next to a dead body hypothetically speaking and like his eyes are open like that because that actor has really bright blue eyes i would just reach over and like close his eyelids i don't need you to be like staring at me as i'm starving to death and as i'm eating your leg which is what captain boy does because he's starving and he just takes a big chunk of captain reich's reich's leg and starts a munching which gives him the strength to get out of the hole, get back to Fort Spencer. And then that's when Colonel Ives shows up and we're all like, dun, dun, dun. He was actually the bad guy, though. Like, you know. Right. The audience knows the whole time. There's no mystery to the identity of this guy. 
the audience knows and of course boyd knows but nobody else that's in the camp at that point knows yeah so we get these these interesting reactions from boyd where he starts doing the craziest shit possible and he's having like these fantasies about eating people in the camp too which is kind of cool well yeah because he's now he's tasted it right and so he he's craving it again which speaking of they never say the word ravenous ever in this movie they say every other word that goes with ravenous but they never say it they don't ever say the name of the movie which i guess she did on purpose because she didn't want to be like you know just put that token word in there even though it's the title of the movie but But, uh, you know i do appreciate that they uh that they restrain themselves yeah i guess they if it were me i would have done it yeah the other thing that is very apparent is that there is a blooming bromance between Colonel Ives and Robert Boyd. Like, it's it's subtle at the beginning because I think Boyd's character is very interested in this guy and he wants to know, you know, what eating the body did to you. Did it give you super strength? Did it, like, what did happen to you physically? Um, and even though... Obviously, Boyd is disgusted by Ives. There is also a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's not, it's not an assistant, but there is a possibility for some, for like a, oh my God, what's the word? Like an apprentice. Like Like a a protege. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's that possibility there, but they get so close to each other in scenes. Like, I can't tell you how many times I was like, now kiss. Yeah. Now kiss like they yes. just would get super. And there's a scene and I mentioned this last night and it makes me giggle now um, that there's one scene where, you know, the whole rest of the camp, whoever's left alive, thinks that Boyd is this psycho killer that actually killed everyone in the mountains and he's going to kill everyone else. And because nobody else knows that Colonel Ives is actually the cannibal, Boyd kind of. I don't know. He keeps trying to attack him. And so everybody else at the camp is like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And so they they lock him up. Well, at one point, Ives goes into the bedroom that he's locked up in and he like swipes some blood off of Boyd's nose because he's been like he he got beat up. Yeah, he got beat up and he brings the he brings his fingers up to his nose and he smells it and then he tastes the blood. And there's just this like. I'm sitting there going, I don't know how to feel about this because it's very clearly sexual. Like, it's not like he was like, mm, blood. He was slow and deliberate about it. Like, mm, I yeah, don't think blood. it was sexual. I think he was trying to be menacing. <laughs> I don't. I just the look on his face, though, like and it's just the way that he goes about it. And I know that he's trying to, like, tempt Boyd into being his cannibal protege but the way that he does it and maybe because i'm a woman and you're a man like we both we kind of see it differently but that's how i saw it is that he was just there was just so many like sexual undertones i think there was but i don't think it's as overt as as you might think it was i mean i get it maybe my maybe i'm just having fantasies about you know (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) But it just, it goes back to the whole romantic vampirism feel to this movie because the cannibalism and, and vampirism kind of share a lot of the same elements. Like, it's a very elite group of people and, you know, we're in a cool blood club and we're all very close together and, and you know, we're a big happy family and we eat people and I don't know. Like that's that's just kind of they share a lot of the same elements is what I'm saying. And so it's hard to not look at this movie as a vampirism slash cannibalism movie. I think it I totally know. is a vampire movie. I mean, yeah, they eat people instead of just straight up drinking blood. But it's a vampire movie. It's yeah. not a Wendigo movie. No, it's not. You know? It's not. Not at all. Yeah. But I think it's it's cool that they brought that element to it. Like a, a background they- to the whole cannibalism thing like there's the lore that actually goes with it and it's really super cool i see why they did it and i see that they kind of had to do it but it's it that's one thing that sticks out to me is like i guess they don't necessarily 
you know, definitively say he's a Wendigo. That's just George's interpretation. Right. But that's like the only uh, definition you ever get for what these people are. And so I don't know. It just it, it's weird to me. Um, you know, you would think at some point somebody would say, you know, let's let's call him a cannibal or call him a vampire because Wendigos are a whole other thing, guys. But, yeah. But, you know, it's just not that big a deal. <laughs> well, it's definitely not. However, I have to say that the plan that Colonel Ives comes up with is actually pretty ingenious because, you know, they're trying to stay fed for the winter and people apparently come through Fort Spencer because they're, you know, on a route to somewhere. Yeah, which I can't it seems to be moment. some kind of go between. Yeah. So, you know, his whole plan was, hey, we're going to we're going to be here and we're going to provide shelter and hospitality. But in secret, we're actually going to eat them. But he 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 says it in such a way that he it's like a recruiting um, spiel. He's like, you know, we're going to eat sparingly and we you know, we don't want to break up families. And they have this whole thing about live to eat, don't eat to live type. Yeah, there's just there's just a lot of like moral and ethic conversation that can happen happen with this. Maybe not ethics, but definitely moral Yes, because, of course, we've got Boyd, who really doesn't want to be a cannibal, even though right. he is at this point. And, you know, you've got Colonel Hart, who is seriously conflicted. He's going along with it because he's trying to give Boyd an out to kill this guy. But Ives is just a straight-up fucking psychopath. I mean, he just wants yeah. to eat everything. And and honestly, it's like you said about his plan. It's a good plan. It is a good plan for keeping yourself fed without having to, like, move around and, and make yourself suspicious. Um, and I guess, I don't know. It's one of those things where, because Colonel Ives explains that before he started eating people, pre-cannibal, um, he had tuberculosis. He was suicidal. He had het, like horrible migraines, and then as soon as he started eating people, he's, you know, everything was cured. His tuberculosis was gone, which at that time was, uh, I mean, it it ravaged the country. So many yeah. people died from tuberculosis, and they didn't have a cure for it. So people just died, and they didn't know about the whole, like, you're a carrier, but you don't have to be sick. You just give it to everyone else around you. So in that aspect of him just finding the cure to all that ails him and keeping it that way. And there's probably an immortality aspect to it also. Maybe they didn't really touch on that as far as um, him not dying or not being able to die. It's just more of a, it'll probably heal you from your diseases and also maybe extend your life a little bit. But if you have that moral dilemma in front of you, you know, do I let myself die from this horrible disease or do I do the thing that I know will cure me and allow me to live longer. Obviously, I think a sane person would be like, well, I'm just going to die. I'm not going to eat another person to save my own life. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of that question of, you know, if you're trapped in the woods and you have no food or shelter and all of that is out of arm's reach, what do you do? Well, you have somebody sitting next to you who is full of meat, <laughs> warm meat sitting next to you. You haven't eaten for days. What you are know. you going to do? Would you do it? Would you eat the guy? I don't. If you knew that it was going to heal you and you were going to be able to escape, would you eat the guy? I don't know. I can't fully answer that question because, again, cannibalism scares the shit out of me. So for me to do it to someone else, like... I've become my own nightmare. Like, I don't I don't know if I could. He's dead, though. But that he's still a human being. Like, I'd he's still. <laughs> I'd eat the guy. You say that with zero hesitation. No, Remind no hesitation. me to not go on any hiking trips I wouldn't even you. wait, like, three days like, like, uh, <sighs> like he did. I'd probably be eating him that night. Wow. No. I, yeah, we're never going camping together, ever. Well, if we go camping and you die in some unrelated incident, wouldn't you want me to live on? <laughs> Through you? Well, when you put it like that, how am I supposed to say no? Yeah, I mean, geez, How am I supposed to on. say, no, I want you to die also. I don't need you to <laughs> starve and... I can't, I can't bear the thought 
of you dying also. So please live through me and eat my body. Appreciate that. Doing it. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's just a creepy concept. And it is. And there's, there's all the, the rumors of, you know, if you eat human flesh, you go crazy or whatever it is. I just, it's just too creepy to like sit there and mull it over. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you're coming out of that without no. some PTSD. Oh, no. no. I mean, nightmares for life. For life. Just even if you never ate another human being in your entire life, I'm pretty sure that that would just make you go insane by itself. Just the the moral yeah. fight that you're having inside of yourself of, oh, well, you know, I just ate my best friend or I ate my husband or my wife. And yes, I'm alive now, but. I get to have pictures of me cutting up their corpse for the rest of my life. So this is loosely based on the Donner Party incident. Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, this is something that happens. This is a moral quandary that I don't actually know a whole lot about the Donner Party. I mean, I know I know what it I know what it is. I know that they all ate each other, but I don't know like details about it's it. It's almost the exact same situation. Oh really? I mean nobody turned into a fucking Wendigo, but they got, you know, the Donner Party started killing each other off so that they could eat each other because they were trapped in the mountains it was around the same time period too yeah well that's i'm gonna have to go and read about that because i always i always hear about people will have jokes about the donner party and i'm like oh yeah haha but i don't actually know details about it but you know here's here's another segment of our podcast where children probably need to take their headphones off and or pause and skip forward um but one of our friends matt hey matt how's it going hey matt um was watching it with us last night and we came upon another moral dilemma about whether you would eat the genitalia. And it, and I was sitting there going, why would you though? There'd be nutritional, no nutritional value. And Matt was like, but it's a muscle. Why would you, why would you not? And I was like, but you, you have the whole rest of the body to eat. Why would you feel the need to eat a dick? Well, I why? think, I think you'd eat the dick last, but why, what would be the point of that? Like, you have all of this other fleshy parts of the body. Meat yeah, but when you run out of all that. Okay. I think I would still bypass it. You Just know, go find another human being. I mean, you already killed this one. Why not start on another one? Well, since we had this conversation, I've I've done a lot of thinking about this. <laughs> I said last night when we were talking about it as we were watching the movie that I would I would eat the dick last. And I would never tell anybody, of course. I'd, I'd say a dog ate the dick or something like that. You know? <laughs> Could you imagine, you know, you're sitting there, you're you're about to eat the dick and somebody shows up. You got the, you're hiding the dick in your pocket. Yeah, I ate him, but I didn't eat his dick. But I think now that I think about it, if you get down to the dick and you don't have anybody else to eat, maybe you just don't eat the dick. Maybe it's time to pack it up and right. just, just that's go what ahead I'm, and die. That's what I'm saying. Just move along. Don't, I don't know. And then well, we, if we're, if we're talking Wendigo world where I need a guy and get better and crawl out and go find more people, then I'm not going to eat the dick. Well, no. But, but if I'm stuck in this cave and there's no way out and I'm dying, I might eat the dick. <laughs> I don't. Well, then we also got into the conversation of the least gayest way to eat to it. Eat dick. If you had to. <laughs> I'd say fork and knife is the only way to go. <laughs> Matt you said you eat- could corn cob it and that would be okay. But I don't know, man. Uh, I don't you don't know. want to be hot dogging it. You know, yeah, yeah, you can't hot dog it. That no. is the gayest way to eat the dick is hot dogging it, for sure. I'll, I'll have to remember that. If no, I won't remember <laughs> that ever. I won't remember that ever because that's yeah. never gonna happen again. Even if I was stuck in the middle of nowhere and I only had this person beside me to eat, I don't even know if I could do that. Let alone be like, mm, I am that genitalia. Let's go. Like, come on mm. now. I don't know. That's. I mean, you do weird things when you're hungry. At that point, you know, I'd be so hangry that I'd probably just be like, oh, fuck this guy. I'm eating his dick. You know? <laughs> just because I'm in that situation and it sucks and I'm mad. I guess so. They they should have, and we're not sponsored by Snickers, so don't. <laughs> hangry? Grab a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, they should have a commercial where... You know, it's the Donner Party and they're starting to eat people and they're like, oh, you're not yourself when you're hungry. (laughs) And then they just hand over a Snickers. Dickers bar. (laughs) (laughs) That 
that's even better. That's even better. <laughs> like, yeah. So no. Matt also brought up that uh, a really good way to find out whether I've was uh, a Wendigo or not would just be to like leave a dick laying around <laughs> and see if he went and got it. That's not a total foolproof test, though. He might not eat dicks either. No, he might not. He and he might look at or he might be like, I don't like cold dick. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's not a foolproof test to prove if somebody well, is a cannibal. Well, I will say this. You could leave an arm. A very obviously human. I mean, you can't you can't just leave a chunk of meat laying around because right. it might be, you know, some other animal, you know. <laughs> we don't want to trick like, the cannibals. Right. Well, well you don't want to <laughs> It's kind of like throwing a witch in the in the water and if she sinks, she's a witch. Right. You know, you throw meat in front of a hungry guy and he eats it. Well, he might just be a hungry guy. But if you throw an arm in front of him <laughs> right. and he eats it, you got a cannibal on your hand. This yeah. So, just for future reference, if you aren't sure that your family members are cannibals or not, you got to do the meat test because yep. it can't just be a steak. It's got to be like a human liver or a heart or something. It has to be very obviously human. That's why right. I say an arm complete with fingers. Right. It, yeah. Leave a ring on the guy. Yeah. Make sure it's finger licking good. Uh-huh. <laughs> Set you up for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yes, I mean, that that's definitely a more foolproof test. Next time I go out on a date with a guy and I'm not sure, I just got to pull out that human arm I've got in my trunk and just make sure that he is alone in a room with it. Well, I've always said for a long time, you know, you want to have the tool for every job with you. So, you know, keep yeah. an arm on you. <laughs> so this movie was written by Ted Griffin. Do you know Ted Griffin? I don't. He wrote Ocean's Eleven. Really? Yes. Fantastic movie. Didn't do too much after that. He did Matchstick Men, which was pretty good. Yeah. But uh, but he also did some he also did some shitty movies like Tower Heist. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that would make sense because there's that there's that humor element to it. Um, that yeah. really that really makes it because it's just got some really qu- great quotable lines and just some just some little humor in there like. Um, there's a character play. Uh, it's uh, Colonel Knox, and he is mm. just a functioning alcoholic. Yeah. And so there's one point where he's like running to the outhouse, and Colonel Hart's trying to give him instructions. And as he's leaving, Colonel Hart says he had too much bourbon in his bourbon. Yeah. So I I say that on a regular basis now. I'm like, Colonel Hart was such a great character. He was. I loved him in this. He was really great. I really did. It, it's such. Uh, anyways, enough about that guy. Fuck him. <laughs> um, so this movie was actually, uh, it, it started with a different director. Did you know that? I did not. The original director was Milko Mashevsky. Uh, he didn't do any films of note before this one, and he was fired two weeks into production. Uh, he just got sacked. They, they actually tried to replace him with another director named Raja Gosnell, but the cast mutinized against him. They didn't like him. So they what? threw his Yeah, they threw his ass out. I did not know that. Yep. That's funny. And, and so Robert Carlyle was friends with Antonia Bird. Yeah. And got her involved in it and man, it's a goddamn good thing that he did. Yeah, it is. I, I really have to go watch some of her other movies. So my other incredibly favorite part about this movie is the music. The music is so weird but at the same time it fits so well i mean i don't know it's strange it is strange and it's strange because of um the guy that that's in gorillas what's his name well yeah the the score was done in part by damon albarn who is uh he was the singer for blur and is the singer composer for the gorillas he did this in between blur and the gorillas and uh you know it sounds like him it really does but i don't feel like it fits the movie very well I don't know. It's 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 got that element of weirdness that I think goes with the rest of the movie because the movie itself is weird. I mean, it's it's not like your typical typical movie, but then you add in this score and it's just again, it's kind of strange, kind of creepy. I mean, during that chase scene where he's chasing Toffler, they have that bluegrass backwoods deliverance kind of music going yeah, on. Yeah. But it's it's just my favorite because I could like the whole intro song i can sing pretty much every part and i did like the intro song and i like the song <laughs> that they played at the end of the movie as well 
everything in between just seemed really out of place. I, I feel like uh, like the score ruins some some of the scenes. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. They they make it for me. It's it's I, it's hard for me to think of that like certain scenes without thinking see, of the music that goes with it. See now, here's the problem that I had. I and and after we watched this movie. We watched uh, *Cannibal the Musical* by Trey Parker, <laughs> which is a musical uh, from the guys that did *South Park*. It's a it's a comedy musical about cannibalism. Spidoikel. Spidoikel, yeah. <laughs> it's very funny, and the music in this film reminded me of that movie so much that it was very very hard for me to take seriously. And a lot of things in this movie reminded me of that film yeah, so much. Yeah, it kind of did. Especially with, um, I can't, I, because I just watched it for the first time last night. And it, let me tell you, it was a revelation. A revelation that I I didn't know I needed to experience and that I did. And I'm glad that I did. But I remember, I remember when I came over, I was like, did that actually happen? Like, yeah. did I? Was, was that it some, all a fever dream? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it's very specific. Um, the the character, the one that sings about building the snowman. So at one point, like the character dies, obviously he, he dies and he dies with a huge smile on his face. And we were cracking up because it looked like Colonel Reich and we were like dead boy band. Yeah. And, and I told you that when we were watching Ravenous that I said, he looks like he's about to bust in the song and he does. They do that same joke in Cannibal the Musical where he just got done singing this song, let's build a snowman, we can make him our best friend. And and then one of the other guys shoots him, kills him, because he's just annoyed by him. They're all going crazy. Yeah. And then the he's he dies with the smile on his face, and then the camera zooms in on him, and they start playing a little musical cue, <laughs> like you expect him to just come back to life and start singing. And I had the exact same feeling when they did that in the pit with Colonel Reich. I, I, it was uncanny. I, at that point I realized I had to show you guys Cannibal the Musical. Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of one of those things where we had originally wanted to watch a different movie and you're like, okay, we're going to watch 10 minutes of Cannibal the Musical. And if you don't like it, we'll turn it off and watch the Poughkeepsie tapes. And I was like, okay, you know, just amping myself up to watch a scary movie. We watched the whole thing. And every time something would happen, we were just like, Wow. It's fantastic. Wow. It's just. It's so weird. And shout out to my friend Bo, who he probably doesn't know this, but every time I see him, I think of Trey Parker. Uh, every time I see my friend Bo, I'm like, oh my God, it's Trey Parker. So he doesn't know that, but now he does if he listens, which he might not. But just in case you listen, you look like Trey Parker, Bo. Sorry, Bo. <laughs> I don't think it's... I, I'm sorry you had to find out this way. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he might already know, but... You if know. you look like Trey Parker, you've probably been told you look like Trey Parker before. Yeah, probably. Yeah. M- most likely. Yeah. Um, so a couple of fun facts about this movie. Guy Pierce is actually a vegetarian. Did not know that. Yeah, he's a vegetarian. And so the scenes where the, he had to actually eat meat... Um, is it stunt meat? No. So when they're when they're eating the stew a la Colonel Knox, um, it's actually lamb. Like it's real it's very nicely catered lamb. And he would take a bite and you never actually see him chew and swallow. So he'd spit out those pieces, um, so he didn't have to eat it and huh. go against his vegetarian ways. That just shows an extra oomph for your acting because you're going against everything you believe about what you eat. To do this shot. And no, he didn't actually eat it. But like having the meat in your mouth and actually tasting it, like that would be hard for me. Like if I was solely a vegetarian, that that's hard. Wouldn't it be fucked up if Guy Pierce like liked the taste of the lamb? So slowly throughout the course of the movie, he became <laughs> non-vegan. <laughs> yeah, we're not turning you into a cannibal. We're turning into you a carnivore. A carnivore. Yeah. The other, the other fun fact is that um, at the end of the movie, there's this final face-off between um, Boyd and Ives. You know, when they're in the barn and they're stabbing each other with farm equipment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, you know, when the original script was ending. I think it I think there was something about how they were like burning down the camp like Boyd was burning down the camp and you know he's standing outside watching it well they changed it to the fight scene and it was um it was choreographed by 
Guy Pierce and Robert Carlyle. And so that whole, just that whole ending scene, like they just made up because they wanted to kill each other. And it says that they ran out of fake blood by that point. Because there was a lot of gore. Yes. It's very gory. Yeah. But they ran out of fake blood Very at this well point. done gore in this movie, it too. It was. None of it looked cheesy. No, it didn't. No. I mean, there's a part where you see Toffler's entire stomach being taken out. And yeah. it looks real. It looks real. It's real gross. But... But yeah, so they made up that last fight scene, which I'm glad that they did because it just, it solidified their bromance. <laughs> it really did. That You know, you could tell it almost looked like two old friends fighting each other. And I guess that's what it was. Well, yes. And then we, I mean, we definitely touched on the whole like formula that horror movies come up with about how, you know, the, the roof of that building caved in on him. And right. we were like... We were like, he's going to pop back up. He's of course. Gonna, uh, you know, even after we stab him in the eye with sticks and a butcher knife and, you know. All which, of, which is a trope that they really shit all over on Cannibal the Musical. They totally did. Yeah, and it was great. So, but yeah, so they they end up fighting with farm equipment and stabbing each other and hitting each other over the head with sticks. And they end in this barn where there's this big ass bear trap. <laughs> like the, like. This is the most unique ending of a movie i've ever seen in my life well it, it ain't kaiser soze unique but man this was different i really liked this this was one thing about the movie that i really thought was cool i loved the end scene tell us about it yeah so they they get to the they get to the barn and i can't remember if boy well boy gets to the barn first because robert Car carlisle's underneath the roof that collapsed in on him right so boyd gets to the barn first ives follows him in and I guess he, like, tackles Ives onto this big-ass bear trap, which is the biggest bear trap I've ever seen. Like, what kind of animal are you trying to trap in that thing? Honestly. Fucking bear. Yeah, but, like, a bear's leg is not, like, a tree trunk. Like, it's just a little leg. I don't... I don't. When you catch a bear, you gotta kill that bear. Because that I bear is so. gonna be pissed. I don't make a habit of trapping bears and and i'm just going <laughs> off i i have no idea either i've never trapped a bear okay <laughs> I, I i'm just thinking. don't let his bear knowledge fool you guys <laughs> i killed a bear on the way to the studio today wow that's yeah. just amazing anyway so he he tackles ives onto this bear trap and he lands on top of him and then the other end of the bear trap comes over on boyd you know, it was an open bear trap. He trapped him and then it closed on the back of Boyd, like trapping them both. Um, so it, it looked a little gay, a, a little because Boyd is just very sweetly laying on top of Ives. And then Ives says, you know, if you die first, I'm so going to eat you. And you're just like, this guy is evil until the very end. But then I kept thinking about it, like, how could you physically eat someone if they're on top of you and you're trapped in a bear trap like would you because his arms are trapped like so he can't he, so the only thing he could possibly do and because boyd is this close to him he could probably eat his face yeah he could probably get a bite of his shoulder maybe and if that gives him the strength to get out of the bear trap well then ravenous too coming soon in theaters oh my god i would die i would die if yeah. they made a ravenous too which they're not going to but if that well, they could because robert carlisle does not age he, he looks yeah. about the same in stargate universe probably 15 years later yeah he kind of looks the same in once upon a time which for those of you who actually watched that terrible show i've never I'm sorry. seen it i'm sorry actually i'm not sorry because it's a terrible show like the first season was pretty good but anyway he plays rumpelstiltskin and he's got like a little bit of gray in his hair so he looks like he's aged but not in his face yeah i think it's because he's a wendigo maybe maybe he is actually like maybe this this movie it's a documentary <laughs> it's a documentary about robert carlisle's life as a cannibal <laughs> This is how he came to be. It's his background it's his origin story. story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then there are so many other actors out there who could fit into that because there are a ton that just. Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Don't, don't age. They're all Wendigos. Yeah. All fucking cannibals. God, that's so terrifying. Maybe that's a conspiracy theory that people in Hollywood don't age because they're all cannibals. 
but yeah, so that's that's ravenous. Um, it's, it's kind of maybe like an acquired taste because not everybody who watches it walks away from it going, oh my god, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Like most people are like, that was weird. Thanks for letting me watch it. You know, I didn't think that it was just a, a amazing movie. There wasn't anything in this movie that made me go, wow, what a fantastic film. But yeah. I will say this. It was incredibly well shot. Yes. It looked great. The Some of the uh, the cinematography, I have absolutely no complaints about. Mm. I think it was it was beautifully done. I love mm-hmm. the sets. And the, uh, the score, like I said before, the score didn't do it for me. And I'm a huge, huge Damon Albarn fan. Huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's one of the, the great musical geniuses of our time. But this was weird. This wasn't good. Aww. The score would have been fantastic in a comedy, but this wasn't a comedy. It's a dark comedy, though. It's, it's, it is the driest dark comedy I've ever seen. <laughs> I was That's impressed nothing. with the gore in this movie. Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a person who's into gory movies. That said, I have watched every gory movie that's ever been made, and this was very good. Yeah, I mean. As far as gore goes. Very good. Very visceral. That's a good word. And, you Visceral. know, I liked they they relayed that sense of dread uh, that the, I mean, the atmosphere of this movie was was very good, very spot on when he was down in the hole. Uh, man, that was terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. And when they were climbing down into the cave that uh, that Robert Carlyle's character was store stashing the bodies in. Yeah. His little cannibal hole. <laughs> <laughs> that was horrifying. I mean, it was very, because, uh, well, there was an element of claustrophobia there. Oh, yeah. Which is how you creep me out. You want to you wanna creep me out, show me somebody climbing around in a fucking cave. Well, and it's amazing what you can do when you actually have a budget to do what shit with. What was the budget on this film? I have you know? no idea, but Let's it was not $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> no. Wow. $12 million. Seriously? This was a low budget film. Wow. Wow. Well, okay, $12 million in our life is a lot. But in the movie world, that's not a whole lot of movie. I mean, no. that's not a whole lot of money. No. And it was a failure. It made $1 million opening <gasps> weekend and gross uh, as a... And once it left theaters, its gross take was t- just over $2 million. Oh, that this, makes this me sad. So here's here's my final thought for this movie. There's a lot of sentimental value that goes into this movie for me. I guess because I went in as a skeptic and I came out in love. Just completely in love. And it's got a lot of my favorite people in it. And it's just it's just one of those weird things that most people, unless unless you experience it maybe on your own, you're you're not gonna have the same connection with it. That sounds that sounds like very elitist and weird. But um I wrote something down in my notes. And it took me a minute to figure out what I was talking about. But considering it's at the end of my notes, it has to do with the fight scene. Um, I wrote down, time out, time out. Okay, time in. And we were talking about when they were fighting and how, like, it'd be super funny if Ives was like, wait, wait, time out, time out. And then eats a hand or something. Or he, like, I don't know, takes out another weapon. And then he, like, stabs him (laughs) and he's like, okay, time in. Like, I don't know why that was so funny to me, but I think Matt said it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it was about that, that would be time. So funny. It was about that time. Matt said, what if he just like Popeye pulled a hand out of his back pocket, <laughs> took a bite out of it and got all strong and started kicking his ass. I totally forgot that he said the Popeye yeah. thing. That's that's hilarious. Yeah. So. No, um, this this is a good movie. Solid performances from some good actors and uh, great script, great uh, cinematography. It'll grow on you. Like, you'll walk away from this and you probably won't watch it again. But then you'll you'll think back and you'll be like, wow, Jordan was right. This was a masterpiece. A masterpiece? <laughs> yes, a masterpiece. Oh, no. Come on. I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, well. I would go see this in the movie theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. sure. Even with like the same cast, the same cast yeah, yeah. And, and everything. I've definitely. And, and I would I'm sure I would enjoy it. Yeah. I, w- I would enjoy my time in the theater watching this movie. Of course, there'd be some kids screaming, but whatever. I hope not. 
Oh, we'll yeah. Just, no, there would be. We'll just eat them. Some, it's fine. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am in no way a cannibal, nor do I affiliate with cannibals. So there you go. I ate a baby for breakfast. Oh, man. I got to get out of here. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in danger. <laughs> eat to live. Don't live to eat. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Um, it's really fun doing this. And I really hope that, that we'll have a lot of feedback about this stuff. Because we definitely, yeah. I definitely want like suggestions. I, I think that this episode might polarize the audience. We might have a war on our oh, hands here. We might have maybe. The, the pro-ravenous versus the ravenous was kind of meh people. I, so if you have suggestions for other movies that you want us to review, just let us know. Yeah, and you can find us on Twitter at D Fire Cinema and on Facebook at Dumpster Fire Cinema. Our website is www.dumpsterfirecinema.com. And if you'd like to email us, you can do so at show at dumpsterfirecinema.com. We'd love to hear from you, so hit us up. And, you know, for those two maybe one listeners that we have um just definitely reach out to us and say hey maybe you could review this movie even if we haven't seen it i mean we will watch it we will have a movie night with popcorn and we will review the crap out of that movie so definitely definitely just let us know so unless something changes next week we're going to be doing dazed and confused richard linklater's movie about stoners Stoners doing nothing yeah but richard linklater's movie about nothing yeah but in all of that nothing, there's a lot of beautiful that happens. Oh, yeah. Lots of quotes. Lots oh, of amazing. Man. We'll talk about it next time. Yep. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Dumpster Fire Cinema. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Dumpster Fire Cinema. Be sure to tell your friends. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Eating dick, do you go hot dog style or fork and knife? This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.